0: everyone, and welcome to Conversations for the Animals. Um, this is the inaugural um, podcast for Houston Pet Set in this format. We've kind of been doing these informally, but decided to formalize this um, today and going forward. So I'm Tina Lundquist Faust, co president of Houston Pet Set, along with Tama Lundquist, also co president of Houston Pet Set, and
1: I am Mark Solano, and I am not the co president of Houston Pet Set. <laughs> Or a twin. Or a twin. (laughs) But Mark, who are you? Uh, My name is Mark Solano. I work for a firm called Outreach Strategist uh, Public Affairs at Outreach Strategist. And I'm really happy to be here today. Uh, Just working with Tina and for the past now three years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, and so I was very honored to for, to get the call to come down and do the first inaugural podcast. So thank you so much.
0: Yes, thank you for being here. And we're really excited about this. We feel like there are so many topics in animal welfare that can be discussed. I mean, it is, on some fronts, it looks like a, a simple um, subject, but it really isn't. is it's as complicated as any um, kind of social topic. And so we wanted to, through these podcasts, kind of dissect what animal welfare looks like in Houston, Texas, the South, and even nationally, you know, how we compare to other cities, other states. And so this um, kickoff is kind of um, We'll just be diving into Mark, kind of how you got involved with animal welfare, your love of animals, and how Houston Pet Sets started. We um, were a a granting organization starting in 2004, providing grants to other animal nonprofits in the greater Houston area. And when Tam and I took over as presidents, co presidents in 2012, Tamma, -hmm. um, we looked at this and had recognized that there are so many resources going into animal rescue, animal welfare in Houston, and we weren't getting any closer to a solution. And so that's where we started looking at how to solve this problem on a city and county level. Um, Because when you look at Houston, it's different than a lot of cities. It's, It's much worse. And so we feel like if we can solve it here, we can take our model and solve it anywhere. And so, Tama, do you want to elaborate on that? or uh, No, I just I think it's important that Mark, uh, we thought it was important that Mark mm-hmm. be the first person because it was your idea in the beginning to do these podcasts, you know, and, and call them conversations for the animals. And we really are here for the animals. And so it's important because you, Mark, uh, you're a lay person. You're also a professional. You've been in politics. And now you've gotten to know this animal issue um, on your own because you're fostering and you have your own love of animals, but also through Houston Pet Set, um, we think that you probably have learned a lot about this issue. And, you know, first of all, were you surprised at the depth and complexity of this issue when you started working with Houston Pet Set? And do you want to talk a little bit about your journey, I guess, through um, a layperson, and, and now we deem you as an expert in animal
1: welfare. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the expert title. Um, <laughs> so, look, animal animal welfare, just animals in general have always been, um, I think people use the word passion a lot, uh, but I can say it's because of animals that I met my wife. Mm-hmm. So, before I even started at my current firm, I worked for Harris County Public Health, and I had a colleague, her name was Frances. And at the time, I was thinking about getting a dog and Francis said, well, come to the dog park, meet my dog and you can see what dogs are like. My immediate response was Francis. I know what dogs are like. I I've seen dogs before. I don't need to go interview a dog. Um, <laughs> so I went to the dog park with, with my friend Francis and, uh, another dog ran up to me and that dog belonged to my wife who I met that day. Um, uh, Paige, my wife, and Francis uh, our best friends, uh, Francis turned into the maid of honor at our wedding. And now that I'm telling the story, I think it was wow. a setup the entire time. Oh, uh, it it but, just
0: occurred to you now? It, yeah, it just
1: occurred to <laughs> me now. Uh, while I was trying to walk out, uh, Paige's dog followed me uh, to, oh. to leave. And so uh, it was because of, of a mutt that she adopted that that you know we met. Uh, Fast forwarding a little bit, I learned that my wife volunteered at a few shelters around Houston uh, friends for life best friends uh, ASPCA Um, she just had that passion and so I always make the joke that she she always adopted funny-looking dogs and that that Theme has carried on to the men that she dates, and so like I'll take it. Um,
0: (laughs) Picking up strays. Picking up strays is yeah, it it was
1: her hobby for a while, and even before that, uh, while I worked at Harris County Public Health, I worked on a lot of health policy initiatives in uh, a lot of low-income areas, and and lo and behold, not surprise, but surprise, you know, we have a lot of stray issues in these areas because there just isn't funding. People don't really care as much to tackle it, and also, um, I think there are some folks that are now. see this as normalcy uh, in their community. Uh, But fast forwarding a little bit, I was actually uh, walking Paige's dog, uh, our dog now, um, when I got the email that I was going to meet with Houston Pets at uh, the following Tuesday or Wednesday. And funny enough, I think it was actually this week, three years ago, that we first met because I just started outreach um, this month, three years ago. We actually met just down the street, uh, not at your offices, but just around the corner. uh, And we we know we talked shot for a little bit and to go back to your question you know i always saw it as an issue but i always saw it myself as you see a stray dog and you think well someone's going to take care of it some you know shelter's going to take care of it someone's going to feed it um, but it is a very intricate system of who owns what, where's the responsibility, is there funding and that responsibility? Mm-hmm. Because not only does Houston Petset have a model on how to work in these areas, but you're working with a coalition where each organization has their own theory, mm-hmm. has their own way of working around the issue. Um, so I'm going to stop there and <laughs> go back to some of y'all's questions, but it, it's a complicated issue, and I'm happy we're talking about it.
0: Yeah, it, it is a complicated issue, and it feels like it needs... Um, it needs to be discussed at many, many levels. Not just with the nonprofits, not just with private um, rescuers, but our city, our county, you know, our corporations. Tama always points out that as a corporation, you know, if you come here and you look at where your seventy thousand employees might live, yeah. are there areas where there aren't stray animals? You know, and so this is a a topic that we feel belongs at every table, a part of every discussion, because it doesn't just affect us as animal lovers and animal advocates, it affects our entire city. We have data to back up the fact that this impacts 25% of Houston residents that say stray animals or uh, stray animals are somewhat of a problem to a very serious problem. And when you look at a city like Houston, where we have one million people, that's a big percentage of our population. And, Mark, you know, you bring up a good point. That's the quality of life issue. And, you know, had Houston Petset not aligned with outreach Strategist, I'm not sure we would have landed on that as quickly as we did. So we're so grateful to you for that. But do you want to talk a little bit about quality of life issue and the findings in the data from Dr. Kleinberg, who uh, outreach Strategist introduced us to, and, you know, what he found in subsequent data that's been, it's been collected since we met with him.
1: Yeah, so there, you know, there are a few things to cover here. Um, it is a quality of life issue, and that's just not something. It's a tale of two cities, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you won't see it when you're in 610, but as soon as you leave the loop, you see it everywhere, uh, and not a lot of folks recognize that. And and to go back to your comment, you know, we can make these bids for large organizations, large companies to come to Houston, and they're always saying, you know, it's you know, flooding can't do it, transportations can't do it. Um, But when you try to bring in X amount of people into areas that are underserved or underdeveloped, whatever, you know, verb you want to throw in there, um, it is an issue. You know, just last year, we read a story about how a woman was scared to let her her daughter walk to school because her daughter was constantly chased just walking to school. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't, you know, way out in Houston. That was right here in the loop. That was right here in East End where Mm -hmm. I live. Uh, but But going back to, some of the data we put together, and I think it's mind-blowing for a lot of folks because, you know, they see it as an issue but not really as a top-of-mind issue. You know, in 2010, the UT Health of Houston survey was produced, and they saw that the concern for strays was the number one top concern in their neighborhood. Right. And this was over crime. This was over pollution. This was over traffic. This was the number one um, headache heartache issue that they faced. Um, that data was validated once again eight years later when in 2018 they put out a new report that said animal welfare strays still the number one top concern uh, for a lot of the residents in Harris County um, and then as you mentioned with with the rice kinder you know dr. Kleinberg does amazing things over at Rice University and I, and I say that because my wife goes to rice for MBA so I got to plug that
0: um,
1: maybe they can lower her tuition a bit uh, dr. Kleinberg has done a done great things with the rice kinder survey and we were fortunate enough to work with work with those folks and and put a question in there where we saw that as you said you know one in four harris county residents see this as a a serious to very serious issue that's one in four of our entire community
0: that's more than one million people that's
1: more than one million people yeah Um,
0: and they're not just worried about the animals they are worried about their own safety their own security their children their elderly parents trying to get on a bus you know we know from Metro and I'm digressing but we know from Metro that that's their number one complaint Mm -hmm. is people can't get to the bus because they have stray animals chasing them so this does affect people not only the animals are suffering but people are suffering Mm -hmm. because of these stray animals running around it's almost like we've you said you know um, the opinions have changed or it's become normalcy it's almost like they're considered squirrels again but they are dangerous they're dangerous and they're suffering. They're not out there thriving. They're not out there, you know, finding their own food and finding shelter at night the way wild animals do. They are definitely suffering. And then because of that, because there are so many of them, there's the people are suffering too.
1: And I, I think this grows from a quality of life issue and it unfortunately graduates into a public safety yes, issue.
0: Yes, And public health.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly, Absolutely right. Um, if we talk about public safety, you know, it was just, you know, I think November of 2020, a few months ago where a woman was was killed yes by not a yes. pack of stray dogs but a pack of owned dogs
0: mm-hmm.
1: um even before that there was another case where a woman was killed and you know houston likes to boast a lot of things but we also boast every year we're fighting first or second place for the number of post workers bitten by dogs yeah um i think it was 80 last year the year before that mm-hmm. it was 76 i think we we go back and forth with with los angeles on that record and that's one i'm, I'm happily able to to let la take um but it goes from a quality life issue to a public safety issue and then goes to a public health issue right? Uh, because because we just see so many strays. And I think that a lot of it, as my opinion was, you know, someone's going to take care of it. Yeah. But you never think about who that someone is. Mm-hmm. You always assume it's going to be the government entity, but you don't realize that there are a lot of organizations just within the Houston Pets at Coalition with y'all's work that, you know, go out there every day. They are in the trenches every day. They're running, running on shoestring budgets to try to, uh, bring in cats or dogs, so they can take them to the shelter. And then when they get to the shelter, they say, "Oh, we're out of room. We can't. Yeah, right. We can't take your strays."
0: And we know from our um, from our data that we collect from the rescue groups that our seventy plus organizations spend over seventy million every year just to manage this problem, and just barely manage it. I mean, we're not even managing it. You know, we're 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 just taking the low-hanging fruit, basically. But you compare that to the city and the county combined with a $19 million budgets mm-hmm. combined, the private and nonprofit sector is far outspending to control this issue than than our government. And you, you look at this, and to me, it's like picking up trash or fixing potholes or you know, taking a crime or any of those yeah, but the, those social
1: issues. The trash bag doesn't chase you yes, when you're walking to school. But you,
0: yes, exactly. So this is almost even more important. This is one of those issues in a city that you have to look at and you have to put some funding toward to make it a, a, a first world city mm-hmm. so we don't look like a third world country, so we don't have people complaining about quality of life and public safety and public health issues. Um, It's something that it's one of the problems that can be fixed, we feel.
1: And I think a lot of the challenges, uh, you know, when you ask a person what's the number one top concern in their neighborhood, you're not going to hear strays. I think anecdotally, you're going to hear, you know, traffic or, Mm you know, I can't turn down my road because potholes are too much or my taxes are too high. I I think Houston and Harris County are in this place where you can't compete for what's the issue that we're going to tackle. And I, I think that some municipalities lean on nonprofits, like Houston Pets said, as kind of a crutch for, well, they're taking care of it. They're doing a great job. Um, but, look, that's just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. It can't be that way so, forever. And I think you all have done a great job trying to encourage, you know, these public-private partnerships on, you know, what can we do together? Where can we meet you halfway? Right. Because we know the city budget or the county budget can't handle it. So how can we step in and assist, not to be that crutch, but just to assist on the edges to make sure that we're tackling this issue in a very smart way?
0: Well, and ultimately, you know, you look at the rescues, you look at the city, you look at the county, but this is a people problem. Mm. This is not a dog problem. This is not a cat problem. The simplicity of overpopulation of, um, dogs and cats is they all want to be rescued. None of them want to be out there. Yeah. They're not fighting to be out there. They're not choosing this. They're either dumped, they're neglected, they um, they they get put into a shelter, and they haven't been cared for properly, vetted properly, so their health is bad, so they automatically get euthanized. You know, this is about people being educated, learning that dumping an animal is a crime. It's about caring and being having access to healthcare for their pets and helping people help their pets. So ultimately, this comes back to our population. We need to educate, we need to make resources available. And where we can't educate, we have to legislate. Mm -hmm. You know, We have to create laws and ordinances that protect these animals that can't protect themselves.
1: I wanna touch on educate and legislate because we, we went to the Capitol recently. Uh, we went in 2019 to fight for a bill. Unfortunately, it didn't pass um, due to uh, a situation. His name. Say his name. <laughs> uh, there was a representative who is no longer a representative. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jonathan Stickland, who at a point of procedure, whatever you want to call it, uh, decided to kill our bill. And I think it was in the 11th hour, two days before the session closed. And it was, it was tragic because we did... We did everything right.
0: Yeah, we uh, had all the support we yep. needed exactly. for, for it to pass. Votes. Right. Yeah.
1: So we're fighting for it again this year, and that's mm-hmm. that's HB eight seven three, uh, and that is the Safe Outdoors, uh, Safe Outdoor Dog Bill Act. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that Houston Pets that's fighting for, and I wanted to say we're not lobbying, we're educating, we're advocating, mm-hmm. uh, we're making sure people know the right knowledge. Uh, but we went to Austin last week to not only testify and not only to to meet with legislators on that bill, but also testify on HB eighteen eighteen. Uh, which is another bill in the, you know, another tool to work on animal welfare here in Texas. Uh, but I want to touch on on 873 first, which is the Safe Outdoor Dogs bill. That bill uh, would define adequate housing. It would get rid of the option or make it a crime to put chains on dogs as a tether. Uh, because we, what we see time and time again, uh, you know, a chain dog is a frustrated dog. And you can look at every number, I can provide you every number in the world, and the number one victim for a angry dog is a child um, or a, a young person. Um, additionally, and as we've seen in the past few weeks here in Texas, uh, during our, our winter storm, we received roughly, what, 4,000, 5,000 phone calls from folks saying 5, there's, 5,
0: a, in the system crash, there's a dog yeah. outside,
1: so mm-hmm. please take care of it. Mm-hmm. And the issue was that that. Ironically, law enforcement were handcuffed on what they right. could do because, at the, as the current law states, there's a, a, a point period they have to wait before they can issue a citation or do anything, do anything about it. So this bill would reform a lot of that, and it would, prov- again, provide a definition of adequate shelter, get rid of chains. It would uh, kill that loophole that people are going through where law enforcement can't cite them. Um, it's a good bill.
0: It is good.
1: Right now it's it's a reasonable
0: base. Conservative it's conser- mm-hmm. conservative and reasonable, yes. yes. And let's go back to the shelter part too. Mm-hmm. Shelter right now can be defined as a, a vacated car, yep. you know. It could be a piece of cardboard against the side of a house. You know in these Texas extreme Texas weather that there there's no way that can be can be considered shelter for a dog to protect the dog. Mm. It can be called shelter legally, but it is not going to protect the dog from the elements. And also, Houston doesn't have its own sheltering ordinance. A lot of cities in mm-hmm. Texas have a sheltering ordinance. We have to rely on this state ordinance to protect our animals, which is why this is so important for Houston.
1: I think a lot of people are surprised by that. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people see Houston as a leader. But if you go to Chapter 6, and I'll, we'll spend 20 Ooh. minutes nerding out about policy if <laughs> yeah. you not want to. Um, on the post show. If you if you look at chapter uh, chapter 6 of our ordinance, it still talks about, it's called animals and fowl, and there's still language in there considering what, what you can and cannot do with horses. It, it has been updated in a long time. Right. Um, and we can keep the horse language, but I also want to update it to reflect what we can do right now in a smart and safe way. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, as you said, there is no definite definition of what housing is for for cats and dogs here in Houston dogs and or dogs in the state um, and it
0: is dangerous because we've lost dogs in the summer mm-hmm. that have died on the ends of chains because, because of heat because of heat and we lost dogs in the Winter storm, Mm -hmm. because they died of exposure. So on both ends. And our hurricanes. And the hurricanes, yeah. Tropical storms. How many dogs died on the ends of chains as the waters rose? And Mm -hmm. in Houston, you know, I moved here 25 years ago. I learned that when it started raining, I'm just going home. Because you don't know if you're going to get half an inch or if you're going to get 12 inches. And so um, we never know what's coming in terms of our rainfall. Animals on the ends of chains... Don't survive those kinds of storms. And Lord knows how many died during Hurricane Harvey and subsequent storms that we've had. How many, how many three, 500 year storms since then?
1: Oh, we could get into the numbers of yeah. what's a predictable 100 year floodplain. <laughs> right. Uh, but again, this is, I, I think, a tale of two cities because we are privileged, you know, us three on, on this table to know what to do um, with our pets when it rains. You know, we are in a place that we know to bring them inside, but I think there are a lot of folks that. Um, you know, don't have that knowledge, right. or they're not educated on uh, how to bring their pets inside safely. Because my dog is an out- outdoor dog, mm-hmm. um, and that's very well fine. Uh, but I-, I think there's a lot of situations where folks don't see it as a public health, public safety issue, but they need to realize that you know there's a dog at the end of that chain, um, which should be illegal in the first place. Uh, but when the waters rise, that dog's not going anywhere. And tragically, we saw that during Hurricane Harvey and Tax Flood and we see that every every time it rains in houston Mm
0: -hmm. we talk about good guardianship of an animal and what that looks like and it goes back to that education component where we need to educate people about what it is and luckily houston pet set has launched along with bark thanks to bark um a new website called gopah g-o-p-a-h give our pets a hand and it talks um at length about what it what good guardianship of an animal looks like, and it provides those resources. So as an organization, we're working toward that education piece. But on any social issue, we know that it takes a long time to kind of change, yep. not just change the way people think, but then change behavior. Yep. And the legislation would do that because an inch in legislation is a thousand miles oh, yeah. in the rescue. What well, what they can do in legislation then gives it... it, it takes away the burden from the rescue groups and going out on one-offs and trying to get these animals from owners because we know that they're not being provided adequate shelter. But um, if, if the law enforcement ca- has laws that back them up, that they can enforce, this makes it so much easier. And we know our law enforcement is behind this. We mm-hmm. know they're frustrated. They get calls all the time to go out. This dog is dying on the end of a chain. They, in that moment, lots of times cannot do anything because there are no laws to back them up. And so we know law enforcement is behind this because at that moment, they could educate. They could write a citation, and the word travels, you know, in those yeah. communities. One neighbor tells another neighbor, hey, you know, you, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't leave your dog like that. You're going to get a citation. Or the law says you can't do this. So we really need that legislation um, to work from the top down to relieve the burden of everybody who cares about this issue.
1: I just can't imagine how frustrating it is to to be law enforcement, to mm-hmm. get a call saying, and knowing, mm-hmm. that you're going to get in your car, truck, you're going to drive out to this property. Yeah. And you're only going to be you can only tell them, hey, fix that. Come back 24 hours because, you know, there's nothing you can do on the entire drive out there. Right. And then you have to wait 24 hours and then you have to come back the next day to, to see if they did it or
0: not. And they might have fixed the problem yeah. enough so you can't, the dog's not safe, but they're covered by mm. the law. So once again, they can't do anything. Knowing this dog is declining and the next time they go out there, it might be skin and bones and it might be dead on the end of the chain and have little puppies running around it. We see this almost mm. every day and it is heartbreaking. So
1: there's there's one other bill I want to talk about. I feel like we're not doing justice if we don't talk about it, And that's that's HB 1818 18, mm-hmm. that's currently um, in B&I, a business uh, committee at the Texas House. And it's it's authored by Representative Patterson, who I think has done a great job putting this together. Um, essentially, this bill would uh, regulate private pet stores to store store dogs from a shelter, from a rescue, from a municipality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would eliminate the option of them purchasing their... I hate to say it, but, like, they're retail items yes. uh, from puppy meals here right. in Texas. Um, so we went up there. We testified on behalf of the bill. We thanked them for, for hearing us.
0: Mark um, knocked it out of the park. I think Way I did to an go, okay Mark. job. You did a uh, great
1: job, Mark. But, you know, I will tell you this, and we can talk more on the post show, but uh, I was very nervous going up there because the person before me was an attorney from Florida who had no say, in, you know, in, in Texas— Texas regulations. Right. Uh, but he was a lawyer for the people that own um, I think it's like it's a Petzarus conglomerate or mm-hmm. like a puppy mill. It's one of those generic names. Um, but he went up there and testified. And I'll give it to the representatives, they they sniffed it out. Great. There was one representative who uh, straight faced told him, "Look, I I think you've said a lot today. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're telling us the entire truth. I don't think you're you're trying to lie to us, uh, but I don't think you're telling us all the whole truth." And she's point by point took away all of his arguments and, and kind of got him at the knees. Um, and then I was next.
0: Wow. <laughs> you, you had to follow, follow that. <laughs> and had to follow that. But you know what? The truth prevails. Mm-hmm. You know, the truth prevails. Mm-hmm. And when you get down to this animal welfare issue, there's a truth that these animals suffer. They have feelings, you know, and to continue to allow puppy mills to breed these dogs for retail purposes so that people can make money mm-hmm. is just morally wrong, especially when we euthanize more than 100,000 animals a year in our state. I mean, these are adoptable dogs, yeah. and they get euthanized for no other reason than nobody wants them. And Something. We, sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We uh, domesticated them. Yeah. We don't mess it. It's on us, you know. We kind of owe them a little bit. Had we just left them out doing their own things, like the squirrels, they'd be fine. But we domesticated them, so we have this moral, this ethical, this responsibility mm-hmm. to care for them now.
1: Uh, something I want to touch on during the committee hearings. Uh, you know, we we heard a lot of folks go up there and say, "Well, if you get rid of the option for pet stores to purchase from puppy mills, then you're just going to see outside folks coming in." to sell their puppies or you're going to see more online sales. Um, and, w- you know, we had to combat that. We had to go up there and say, you know, there have been no increase of, of puppy meal sales via online. Mm-hmm. And something we, we talked about was... We have seen an increase in Google searches for where do I get a cat or dog, but we also have seen people stay at home for the past year, needing a companionship. Right. Um, we've seen Petco increase sales because I think more people are spending time with her. I know I am to the point where I think my smallest dog is getting abandonment issues if I leave the house for twenty minutes. <laughs> she freaks out. <laughs> uh, but there's there's a lot of things we have to combat. And mm-hmm. uh, and what I what I learned uh, working with y'all is that puppy mills selling to pet stores, you know, it's a game of of quantity. Yeah. I mean, it's I hate, to, I hate to put it in such an archaic way, but it's, it's an expiring item that's on right. the shelf. And if it's not meeting the standards of X, Y, and Z... You know, as as Representative Patterson pointed out, at case in Tyler and in Arlington, you know, some of those dogs are, are put
0: down. Mm-hmm. And what people don't realize, they think that if they purchase a dog, that it's going to be healthier, mm-hmm. it's going to be a better dog. And they think that because they're paying for it, they're getting paying more for it. They're yeah. getting better quality. It is not the case. There are so many dogs coming out of these puppy mills that have it sounds funny, but mental health issues, dogs that have to be put down for behavior. There are dogs that the hip dysplasia, the allergies, the skin, all these things that are wrong with these dogs because there's so much inbreeding. They're not cared for early on. They're um, taken away from their mother way too early. And so they don't learn proper dog behavior and they flounder their whole lives. They don't know how to be a dog. So there's no truth whatsoever. There are good breeders, There are. Mm -hmm. There are a few good breeders, Mm -hmm. and we're not completely against breeding. We're just against this breeding for a profit, this overbreeding, because because that's where you get into trouble. And so many of those dogs wind up in the shelters, which is why we have 25% of the animals that go through the shelter system are purebreds. Most of those came from puppy mills, because people thought that they were buying a quality animal. It's sick. It wasn't well. It had mental health issues. Wound up in the shelter.
1: It's predatory. It is. Because... You know, as we learned last week when we were, we were testifying, um, if if I buy a dog from a puppy mill or if I buy a dog from a pet store that sells them in the windows, um, once I purchase that, you know, it's mine. If it's sick, I can try to go back, but they're going to go, no, it's like a car. You drove it off the lot, right. it loses a percentage of its value. Right. Um, additionally, to, to see the predatory lending that happens, because you're leasing pets, essentially. Oh, yeah. If you can't buy this $5,000 yeah. um, you know, purebred pet,
0: yeah.
1: you're now leasing it for four to $5,000. And, you know, we saw the interest rates. So I think it was like $12 a day for for some of these dogs. Um, and on that note uh, of purebred, uh, it was a couple of Thanksgivings ago. And we, we drove to my family's house uh, on my wife's side. And she said, okay, I don't want you to make a comment, but so-and-so just bought a dog. It's a hunting dog. They paid, I think, like $12,000 for it. And I go, you can get like 12,000 dogs from,
0: you know, uh-huh. Harris County. <laughs> They'll just give you one <laughs>
1: if you just park there for long right. enough. Um, and she goes, well, don't say anything. They're, they pay like twelve grand for it, and I think they're paying like another ten thousand to.
0: And Mark, you train always it. hold your
1: tongue. I do my best. <laughs> uh, but I, I went up there. I met the dog, and we brought our dogs. And you know, they, I think they've invested, spent, wasted, you know, twenty thousand dollars. But their dog still goes to the bathroom inside, and mm-hmm. my dog's a mutt. She knows yeah. to go outside yeah. for her business. Right. Uh, and it's just funny. They're like. For ten grand, I I train my dog. You know, give me ten grand, I can train mm. your dog to go outside and oh, you know, go use the restroom outside.
0: As you said, you could get ten thousand of those. Yeah. You can literally drive through certain parts of our our city mm-hmm. and pick up. Honestly, tens of do. thousands. Of, like we all day. do. We I think
1: everyone in this room now has. I, I know I have a little red leash uh, in my my back because yep. we picked up one off Jensen Drive, named it Jensen, and now now it's on my my parents' house.
0: And you know since. Since these storms, Hurricane Harvey, the subsequent uh, tropical storms, and then uh, the winter storm. Uh, a few weeks ago which was horrendous and so many people suffered and we think about them too but I have noticed more strays in my neighborhood in areas where people where we usually don't talk about it in in the inner loop because we don't have the problem as badly but I've been seeing more dogs. I tried to rescue one off of Richmond the other day. Uh, me and about two or three other people chasing, weaving in and out of traffic um, trying to get this dog and she was scared. She had been on the road a long time you could tell and, and there was no way in catching her we need a professional like jill um with her leash and her roping skills even though (laughs) she's even though she's from the the east the northeast she uh is quite the roper but um you know we're seeing more of these dogs and the problem is getting worse and not better so um it's 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 something that our city needs to look at Mm -hmm. if we're looking at economic development growing um, businesses here growing the city becoming uh, a first-class city Mm -hmm. in this world we can't have this issue and 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 be able to carry that title
1: so one thing i'm very thankful for is that i I think i think the city leadership and county leadership know it's an issue Mm -hmm. and we've worked really hard to identify it as an issue and not Mm -hmm. just as a i hate saying it like flavor of the month type of issue where you you know you wear your ribbon for the day and you go lobby or something Um, and we know that there are great people at harris county at city of houston that care about these issues i mean right now we're trying to form partnerships with them as you mentioned with the give our pets a hand resource right. um and they're open to it right and i really that's that's half the battle is mm-hmm. showing up and shaking the hand because yeah. you know i hear from colleagues in other other places where like they just don't want to hear it they right. don't want to recognize it as right. an issue so they're not going to tackle it uh but the city of the county they know it's an issue i mean right. Our most immediate mayor, Mayor Parker, you know, she was well-known for being a foster mm-hmm. foster, foster failure, a foster parent for adopting the dog after fostering it. Um, you know, she led on on building a new park facility. Harris yeah. County just passed a bond in 2018, someone's going to correct me, uh, to to expand the new shelter. So, you know, yeah. we know that they know it's an issue. Right. And so now it's about... Where can we come together on, on what certain issues can we move the
0: needle? We right. need to execute some of the ideas that we've come up with. You know, in Houston Pets that did spend a year and a half in strategic development and and we have a plan. It might not be perfect, but it's something. Mm-hmm. It's it's more than what we've had. So it'd be nice yeah, it'd be nice to start executing some of these ideas and looking at this as a strategic uh, looking at these strategic solutions because it is one of the solvable problems. Yep. It's not. It's not a problem we can't tackle. We know Dallas. They had one of these horrible, and and you know we feel so badly about it. But one of these situations where someone was attacked by a dog and killed, right. we've ha- it, and and they took care of their problem. The city was on it. They were ashamed they felt badly yep. they were on it we've had how many of these cases now and so it's time for Houston to catch up it's time yep. for Houston maybe to to jump ahead and be the leader on this issue because we have the plan we have solutions we have a model that can be taken to other cities too who might be suffering with this and and these are these are things that all work to solve this problem yep. and there's an ROI yes. there's a return it it costs $500 approximately to for animal control to go out Pick up an animal, hold that animal for three days, euthanize it, dispose of its body. Why not spend those funds taking care of this problem in lieu of just spay and neuter? Spay and neuter. Yeah. Um. Transport all the things Education. that we can do to solve this in lieu of just sheltering and euthanizing. So that's that's an antiquated model. And as you said, Tema, we need to jump ahead. You know, these are precious, precious gifts.
1: Look- so there are two things I want to touch on, mm-hmm. um, and y'all y'all said it so brilliantly. Um, Dallas is ashamed, so they fixed it. I think it was, like, next week they were working mm-hmm. on how they yep. can do this. And they, they brought in a bunch of organizations, did some stakeholder meetings, and they updated their, their ordinances to reflect, you know, a better community. Uh, additionally, San Antonio, I think, is also leading the way. Yes. Just last month, beginning of this year, uh, they banned pet stores from operating within their within their city. And we know that because I ran into two or three of the pet store owners, and I went to Austin last week. <laughs> um they weren't happy. Right. Uh, but I
0: think... They're looking for new new markets. Yeah. No, right. they're looking for Mark. <laughs> Cancel Claire.
1: I was wearing a mask, so I don't think they recognize it <laughs> fully. Um, but Houston Pets has done a great job of... of I'm going to state it the wrong way, but it's kind of a, a list of resources, kind of a buffet of here's everything Houston Pets that can present to you for, you know, either... So if the city, if you want to do spay and neuter, we got a model for that. We have we have contributors that can make that happen. If y'all want to tackle on transport, we go to the shelter every week, every two weeks, and transport X amount of animals outside of of, of uh, our state. And I think as of last count, I think we're at 550, a little less than 550 for number of animals transported this year. Alone.
0: Oh, this year, this year, yeah, we're. Last year was. Um, I think last year was two thousand two hundred three. three Almost 3,000, yeah.
1: I think we can all agree that it was a lot.
0: It was a lot. It's more than 5,500 total since okay. we started. And we're not a transport organization. That's not our... But you go out and find the park. Yeah. You go exactly. and find the people. And yeah. I think
1: that's what Houston Pet Set presents to a lot of these, or to a lot of municipalities. Um, what do you want to work on? Because we can figure it out. And mm-hmm. We can make
0: it happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. A good, good way to put it, a buffet. Mm-hmm. Because they all, all six pillars that we have mm-hmm. on our website, org. Yeah. all six pillars all lead to a solution. And, and what else... The other thing we need is that collaboration then. We can't do it alone. The city and county can't do it alone. Our rescue partners can't do it alone. They're exhausted. The people are exhausted, and um, they're getting hurt doing this. So it's collaboration, and it's, as you said, pick pick. Pick your point, pick whatever yeah. you want, you know, and we'll help work on that because so, it is
1: solvable. I'm gonna get in trouble for quizzing myself and not getting them all right because y'all are sitting right in front of me. But we work on education, we work on advocacy, education with Crime Stoppers, advocacy with Crime Stoppers mm-hmm. because they do a lot of great work.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, and some of the task force work that we cruelty do, cruelty prevention, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, transport, you know, spay and neuter. Um, there are a lot of things that the Houston Petset does. I don't want to say that we do, but y'all do. Uh, you're part of
0: the team, just but thank you.
1: Uh, just by, by working in these spaces. And right. I think some of that work is now kind of bleeding out to other areas. I know in Fort Bend County and surrounding counties, we're, we're looking to put together new ways to tackle um, animal abuse via task forces, partnerships mm-hmm. with, with constables' office around the area. Mm-hmm. It's a step-by-step procedure to move the needle. And yeah. I think first is is going out, and as I said earlier, half the battle is going out there and shaking a hand uh, and and asking what we can do together.
0: And we really need our city if somebody's not involved in this, we need them to jump in. If you can't if you can't volunteer or if you can volunteer, let us know. If you can foster animals, let us know. Mm-hmm. If you can donate $10 makes a difference. That's a microchip for an animal. That means that a lost animal gets back to its owner versus getting to the shelter. There are many ways that our citizens can help. So, yeah. Tammy, you mentioned our website earlier, Houston dot org. There are all kinds of resources on there for anyone that wants to get involved in this issue. And we need your help. Yeah,
1: something yeah. I want to touch on. It's kind of funny. Uh, so you, you mentioned that people can step in and, and work in these spaces. Um, and it every little bit helps, mm-hmm. whether you're fostering, whether you're donating, contributing, volunteering, because you know that one or two days that you help foster an animal, that changes the trajectory for that animal's life exactly. completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I was on a call with y'all or, or late to a call with y'all, and my dog Lily was, I think, chewing up something. And I, I got a little bit frustrated, and I, and I asked her, like, don't you see I'm trying to save other animals yes. so you can be in this house? Right. Like, you need to be more thankful right. for yes. the things I'm doing for you. Oh,
0: Mark, for I, your, I say that people <laughs> all the time. Oh, we'll be on a Zoom call, and I've, I'm all set up, and here comes the pit bull, all 60 pounds of him. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Mommy's sitting down. Oh, it must be snuggle time. And I'll have to say to him, too. Honey, I'm doing this for all of the other pit bulls, yeah. hundreds of thousands like you who are on the streets getting shot at, getting hit by cars, getting taken as a bait dog. I can't hmm. imagine all of right. our dogs could have been a bait dog. They could have been a fight dog. They could have been taken by some... some. Poor individual who has mental health issues and tortured those animals on the streets are so vulnerable. They can't say, "I'm going to get on the bus. I'm going to call 911." None of them can do that. And I know we've got to wrap up. So, this, as Tina said, this issue, this topic is big. It's complex, but it's not so complex that it can't be fixed. And we're
1: not going to tackle it one podcast. No, no, oh, no. We're, we can't we're going going talk. Tr- this die. is yeah.
0: multiple podcast we covered a lot of it mark we're so grateful to you thank you thank you for the work that you do thank you for going above and beyond and um we're happy to have you as a part of the team and we're not going to stop we are not going to stop until this issue is solved so um we're gonna lock arms and continue to um, ride this until until we get to manageable populations and thank you for making conversations for the animals Mm -hmm. important um It's brilliant on your part, and Mm -hmm. it needs to be talked about. And what better way than to just put all of these issues out and take people from the community who know more than we do um, and and start educating? Because as we know, we have to educate. You said it. And we can educate and market and change this whole this whole issue. Um, But, you know, it starts with education, starts with Mm -hmm. community resources and legislation. So thank you, Mark, for helping us push that forward with these conversations for the animals.
1: Well, thank you all for having me. Um, I know we can talk days about this because we already have before. Mm -hmm. Uh, But thank you all for having me. And and I'm really excited to see this
0: podcast take off and and see what future conversations are had. Yay. Thank you. For the animals. We'll have you back. Thank you.